This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, it's Thursday, August the 4th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay. And we're going to start off today with a really the shocking story. This time it's involving a baby being given a capful of vodka. Now, a 14-second video clip has been posted online showing a woman believed to be the child's mother pouring the alcohol into the baby's mouth. Well, Ish joins me now. Ish, firstly, can you tell us in a bit more detail as to what happens and, and what the reaction's been? Yes, as you say, shocking footage. The woman is shown pouring liquid from the bottle into the cap. She then tilts the baby's head back and gives it to them. A man also appears in the footage and seems oblivious as to what's happened. Now, it's understood this happened in Dover, but that the pair are from Dartford. And we've been in touch with police. What have they said? Well, they've told us they were called to a house in Dover in the early hours of June 21st following reports of a disturbance. While officers were there, they were made aware of concerns for a child at the address. Man and woman were arrested on suspicion of child cruelty later that day. They've since been released on bail. Any word from social services finally? They've confirmed they were made aware of the incident and they've provided a very short statement. It says, I can confirm social services are aware of this and have taken appropriate action. Ish, thank you ever so much. Kent Online News. Next today, and we've got an update on yesterday's top story on the tragic death of a teenager at a fun fair in Dover. A reminder, the boy was found at the site in Pencester Gardens yesterday morning. Forrester Amusements who run the fair say they're deeply saddened and shocked by what's happened. It's understood the teenager suffered fatal injuries following an accident on one of the rides which wasn't operating at the time. The fair will remain closed today but is due to open tomorrow as health and safety officers have completed their investigations. A father and son have been fined almost £5,000 after a glacier fell through faulty scaffolding in Tunbridge Wells. It happened while an extension was being built at a house on St James's Road back in 2018 and left the victim needing extensive surgery. The bosses of Orchard Construction, based at the old post office in Queen Street in Sandhurst, have also got to pay £15,000 in court costs. Villagers in part of Kent say they've been left too afraid to leave their homes or open their shops because of travellers. Now, police have revealed they received more than 20 calls about shoplifting and nuisance vehicles after caravans pitched up at the Pottery Recreation Ground in Who last Friday. They have now moved on, but residents are also angry about the mess that's been left behind. Environmental campaigners in Kent have told the Kent Online podcast they worry more people will fall ill if sewage continues to be regularly released into the sea. It comes after a couple and their dog came down with gastroenteritis following a swim at Hampton Beach in Herne Bay. This is something we mentioned on the podcast yesterday. While there had been a discharge in nearby Swale Cliff the night before, which Southern Water says was because of short burst of heavy rainfall. Robin Bartlett is from from SOS Whitstable and says they'll keep happening unless things change. 
I think it continues to happen because it's a, it's a problem that's been building for, for decades um, since the privatisation of the water companies and probably before that. Um, there's been a lack of um, investment in the infrastructure um, and it's going to take a lot of investment to, to fix the issues that, that come down to um, capacity. Um, there's, there's more and more need uh, to, to treat sewage because of growing population and building and, and things like that. Uh, and there hasn't been the required investment for, for decades. It's just gone to shareholder profit. And obviously we've now seen this case of this woman who's um, got gastroenteritis from swimming. Um, in a polluted water source. Um, why is it so important that this stops happening? Well, I think I think before before then, what, what, um, a really important point uh, to to consider is how little rainfall we've had. Um, you know, these companies have a permit to to release um, legally if there's a storm condition. Um, the the reason for the release recently um, was there was a heavy rain for about ten to twenty minutes. Um, that anyone in the Whitstable area would 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 know it was a very brief rain shower and that was enough for the system to be overloaded and for them to release sewage into the sea which then causes um, these issues. Um, to go back to your question, uh, why is it important? Because you get seriously ill. If you swim in sewage and you um, swallow a tiny bit of that water, um, it will give you, a, a, you know, gastroenteritis um, and, and, and other things too. It can also cause um, infections in, uh, on any abrasions that you might have, uh, you know, little cuts in, uh, in your skin. A little bit of sand might go in your eye and cause an abrasion and you get an infection through that. You know, there's there's lots and lots of um, downsides to having sewage in the sea that you're swimming or using. The water company have said that people who wish to sw uh, swim in the sea can check their apps to see, you know, when they're dumping sewage and when's the best time not to not to swim. Do you think that, that that's enough? No, I don't think it's enough because most people who come here and use the sea don't know about it. You know, there, there isn't a, a good enough awareness campaign because they don't want to hurt their own image um, to, to, to know to use the, that app. The app's OK. Um, as we understand it, there's about a two hour delay, though. So it's not perfect uh, by any means. Uh, and the local authorities need to actually use that information and put notices on beaches. That's the only way majority of swimmers and people who use the sea are actually going to know uh, about um, the, these um, these incidents. This is what Southern Water had to say. Two separate releases were made on Sunday evening from our Swale Cliff and Gainsborough Drive outfalls. They were heavily diluted with rainwater. These events followed heavy rainfall over a short period of time. The releases were within our Environment Agency permit and necessary to protect homes and businesses which otherwise would have been at risk of internal flooding. We are working hard to reduce our use of storm overflows and have a number of groundbreaking projects to tackle this. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Dozens of former P&O Ferries staff are claiming compensation after their belongings went missing when they were sacked. You may remember 800 workers, including those at Dover, were suddenly told they no longer had a job back in March. It's now been confirmed around 200 believe valuables have gone astray and over 130 have put in a claim. Two GP surgeries in Maidstone have merged to become one of the largest in Kent. It affects 30,000 patients that belong to Albion Place Medical Practice and the College Road one. Health bosses say the merger will allow more efficient ways of working and offer patients more services and choice. Plans to transform parts of Canterbury have been revealed as the city bids for £20 million in levelling up cash. Bosses say it would make the area a world-class destination. It would include a revamp 
revamped Canterbury West Station, a redesigned Guild Hall, new routes to walk around and improvements to gardens and heritage sites. We can see pictures and let us know what you think by heading to Kent Online. A Kent MP is offering support to residents affected by a cyber attack on one of the UK's largest housing associations. Clarion was targeted in June, but more than a month on, the company says it's still working to fix issues with emails, phone lines and IT systems. Chatham and Aylesford's Tracy Crouch says there are a growing number of people with concerns and she's encouraging anyone who needs help to contact her office. Now, a community centre in Ashford says more and more people than ever are using their community fridge as we all face a cost of living crisis. Repton Community Trust runs a shop and there people can pay just £1 for every £5 worth of items. It includes things like food, toiletries and cleaning products, all of which we've seen become more expensive in the shops in recent weeks. Well, Beth Rice is their chief executive and she's been explaining a bit more about what they do. So the community fridge, um, we set it up in early 2019 um, and I'd seen a model um, in London, in Bexley, um, and thought it would be a really good fit here. Um, and basically it's a really canny way of um, the community getting involved, people reducing um, food um, waste. So every person wastes about £900 worth of food waste every year. So a community fridge is just basically a fridge where people can come in, help themselves to fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, things like bread, milk, eggs, that kind of thing, just your general sort of um, daily, um, daily kind of food. Um, and throughout COVID-19, um, it grew into a, initially a food bank. Um, people were kind of saying, well, if you've got fresh fruit and fresh veg and things like that, um, what about dry food items? So we had a little food cupboard and then we started delivering out to people during COVID and then it grew to kind of the, the cabin and we ended up supporting thousands and thousands of people throughout COVID. Um, our food bank was um, named the People's Pantry um, and it's all community-led. So it's all led by the ideas of communities throughout Ashford, um, people kind of having ideas about what they want to see happen and, and what they want to have in there. We started as Kent's first community fridge and we were the UK's 65th community fridge, then grew into a food bank, then kind of started delivering out to people who are vulnerable, people who had COVID. Um, and then we needed to find a longer term solution to food insecurity. So we were kind of asking people, well, what do you want next? What comes next? And the idea was a community shop where people could basically kind of come in and have a shopping experience um, and kind of buy food items but at very heavily discounted prices. So people basically they spend um, a pound for every five pounds worth of items up to 20 pounds once a week. We're open two hours a day, Monday to Friday and um, yeah that's our community shop. Kent Online reports. Firefighters have been tackling a fire the size of seven football pitches near Sevenoaks. Around 15 acres of farmland were destroyed by the blaze that broke out in a field of cut corn in Exdown Road in Kemsing yesterday afternoon. It's thought to have been caused by a problem with a combine harvester. Meantime, firefighters have also been tackling a grass fire in the middle of Dartford Heath. Seven fire crews were sent to tackle the flames overnight. It's not known how it started, but we're told no one's been injured. A fitness coach has vowed to carry on running sessions for young people on Sheppey, even though no one turned up to the first class. Bullant Mustafa is hoping to get teenagers in Sheerness more active and help improve their mental health. The 23-year-old thought the weekly sweated-out boot camp would be popular as it's also free and he's teamed up.
teamed up with charity Sheppy Matters to run the sessions at the Sheerness Healthy Living Centre. Well, he's been chatting to our reporter, Amy Tregenna. The main reason why we started decided to set up the boot camp is because we wanted to target that certain age group. I believe for the 15 to 20 year olds on the island, there isn't much much going on for them. There isn't um, there isn't a lot of activities or uh, much um, any projects that are targeting that specific age group. So I thought something like this, outdoors, physical, would um, benefit benefit really well. So um, that was the main reason why we started it. Another reason is um, physical activity doesn't only help you just by the activities that you do outside doesn't just help you by physically, um, it helps you mentally as well. And obviously with that age group, like I said, um, they're either starting year 11, they're um, either going into college or they're uh, midway through their college or they're starting uni or they're starting independent life. And I know how hard that can be to them and um, the struggles that they, they can be going through. So I think something like this, giving back to them and something free as well, um, maybe take a little uh, bit of pressure off their shoulders. So hopefully um, it can be beneficial for them. Last week, um, when you ran your first session, there wasn't many people showing up. Why did you, or no one showed up? Why did you guys? Um, I think I, I blame myself with that because um, I don't think I... Um, I um, put it out there as much as it needed to be and obviously Sheppy Matters have put it out there but they can only put out certain things out there because the um, Sweat It Out project, the boot camp isn't the only thing that, that, that runs under them. They've got all different types of things um, that are running on, uh, like running under the, under the same name so um, it's hard for them to um, favouritism one thing so obviously they've got to try and make it even and equal so they've got to um, put one thing out there then they've got to put the other thing out there and then the other thing so obviously it just has to be an equal balance of how, how many times they share stuff and then when it comes to me I don't think I shared it as much as it needed to be so uh, that's why I don't think a lot of people turn up because a lot of people didn't know about it so I do blame myself on that one but I think it's actually helped us out a little bit no one turned up on the first session because after um but when no one turned up, we, um, myself and James and Elaine was there. We, we, we took a few pictures of the stations that we had. Uh, we took a pi uh, picture of the board and took a picture of the um, drinks that they will be giving out as well. So there's going to be free um, refreshments there as well. And then myself and James took a picture together and we, um, I put it on Facebook. I said, um, we're going to be here week in, week out. Whether there's one person turns up or there's 10 people turn up. And if there's no one turns up, we're going to still be here, still doing our best, still giving back to the community, doing our thing for the community. And then um, I think it got over 600 shares on Facebook. Um, I, I received about 40 to 50 friend requests. And so yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant, brilliant the amount of support that we're getting. And um, I've had messages on Facebook from mums, from grandparents saying that they're gonna be sending their grandkids, they're gonna be sending their kids. I had 17 and 18 year olds messaging me as well on Facebook saying, that, oh, this is an amazing thing. Is it all right if we turn up? So yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's open to anyone that's between ages between 15 to 20, so it would be nice to see a few people turning up tomorrow. Archaeological work has started at a site in Faversham where experts are hoping to find artefacts dating back to Roman times. The site, owned by the Duchy of Cornwall, is set to become an estate with more than 2,000 homes. Teams will be working there for six weeks as they search for hidden treasures. And the Whitstable Oyster Festival is returning this year, but will have a new name. It's now going to be known as Whitstable Rock. 
Rocks Oyster Festival and the historic event will have many of the same attractions as well as some new features too. It'll run in September from the 16th to the 18th. Kent Online Sports. Football and Kent Celestia Russo has spoken out about the need for young girls to be given more chances to take part in sport at school. Fresh from her victory at the Euros, England's super sub from Maidstone says there could be some girls who want to get involved in football and other sports but just simply don't have the chance. Well, the 23-year-old has signed an open letter along with the rest of the England squad to Tory leader candidates Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss calling for more opportunities. When I was a kid, like I used to, my route into football was through boys football, um, which was okay for me, but other girls might want, not want to get involved unless it's a girls team, which is completely understandable. And I think that, um, yeah, as we've just achieved something great, we want to achieve something even greater and, and help push this for the for the young girls out there who want to get involved in football but feel like they can't. Lotta, one of the girls on the team, kind of came up with the initiative yeah. and everyone got on board so quickly like that. So, yeah, she she was the the start of it and what a fantastic idea. I just think, like, having the availability, um, and I know it is easier said than done. It, there's obviously a lot going on behind the scenes that has to put that in place. But, I mean, why not? Like, for the young girls that were throughout the tournament, it's kind of nice for them to actually see women pack a stadium out. And to be honest, if you can't see it, you you can't be it. So that's a really important message from us throughout this tournament. So uh, it is going in the right direction. It's been going in the right direction for a while now and, and credit to everyone behind the scenes pushing for it. Um, we, we see it and, and we just, as players now, need to continue that path. It's an exciting time. I think with sports, you you can enjoy a moment, um, one so special like the Euros, but within a couple of weeks, you've got something else knocking on the door. So, um, yeah, really excited to get back to Manchester United and, and play the season and then yeah, international breaks along the way, hopefully. Alessia is also going to be recognised in her hometown. Bosses in Maidstone have invited her to officially open the new Moat Park Cafe and Visitor Centre later this year. The council say a community room will be named after her and a collection of memorabilia will be on display showing her time growing up there. At the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, Dartford's Adam Jamili is through to the semi-finals of the 200 metres. The sprinter's been looking to bounce back after a disappointing time at the World Athletic Championships in America. He won his heat and will race again tomorrow. Meantime, Ross Wilson has been back in action in para table tennis as he looks to defend his title after winning gold in Australia four years ago. The 27-year-old from Minster is in the Class 8-10 to 10 group and is through to the semi-finals tomorrow. On to cricket and Kent are back in one-day cup action. They've travelled to take on Glamorgan after winning their opening match of the competition against Worcestershire and in tennis, Kent's Emma Rajikanu continues preparations for her US Open title defence tonight as she attempts to reach the quarterfinals of the Washington Open. The British number one from Bromley takes on Colombia's Camilla Osorio after beating American qualifier Luisa Chirico yesterday. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe news you can trust this is the kent online podcast this podcast is sponsored by the fg barnes group with showrooms in canterbury and maidstone offering a range of new and approved used cars including mg seat and Vauxhall.